living the hunter life Along with my kids and my lovely wife Taking in the land that the good Lord made And doing the things that make this country great Doing my part to keep the things in line Respecting the land that's yours and mine No doubt about it, this right here's a good life This is living the hunter life Welcome to the on-air home for the Brotherhood of Hunters. Welcome to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Brought to you by Hunt Life. Take aim. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff Lagerman, Kevin Favor, and Kirk Waltz. Welcome to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. I'm Jeff Lagerman. Kevin Favor is uh, doing some Hunt Life Outdoor Show research. He is actually in the state of Nebraska right now uh, with our good friend Jason Denny of Fur and Feather Outfitters in Maxwell, Nebraska, and is with his son, uh, Bow Hunt Whitetail. So I can't wait till next week to find out how he's done. But uh, Kemp Kirk Waltz, uh, otherwise known as uh, Spock Man. Spock Man. He's in studio. Morning, Kirk. Good morning, sir. And uh, we've got a special guest host today in studio, Mr. Bob McNally. Good morning, Bob. Morning. And, Glad to be uh, here. Folks, Bob is an uh, outdoor writer. Uh, boy, I don't know how many different how many different books have you published so far? Of uh, mine, three, but I've been involved in you know many dozens of books. Books, uh, magazines, still writes for different publications that uh, you probably got on your uh, coffee table and in your library, the vast library that exists in most men's bathrooms. That's right. And uh, our special guest today that we have via the phone line is a guy that I've met uh, a couple weeks ago. But, boy, I, I've kind of known him, I guess you could say, for many years because I've had their little tree planting guide. Uh, and Alan Deese works for the company out of Tuskegee, Alabama, called the Wildlife Group. And they specialize in basically trees plant, uh, tree plantings for wildlife. And uh, let's go ahead and welcome him in. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, guys. How are you all this morning? Doing pretty good. Uh Give people a little background on you uh, and how you came about working for the Wildlife Group. Well, uh, the Wildlife Group, actually, I'll just start with a little history on the Wildlife Group itself. Was We had a small nursery here. We were a sod farm, and the uh, nursery business, as you know, you know, it's, it's been in, up and down. And uh, so we were concentrating basically on our sod at the time. And uh, <clears throat> we started touring around with some pear trees and stuff. Uh, because we all love to hunt and fish and we love the outdoors. And so through that, we just, we started growing these for our own properties. And then it kind of evolved from that into people were really interested in what we were doing. And, uh, you know, we were just picking up some regular varieties such as kefir pears and stuff and we were planting them. And then we, we got to where we realized that <clears throat> through what we were doing and people were really so interested in it, we started having people call us about older pears and older apples and crab apples on their properties that have been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so that really drew our interest. And so uh, we started working with uh, Dr. Billy Dozier through Auburn University, and we started learning a lot more about the trees and the different species. And we, so, you know, really it just evolved into what it is now. And, um, and and now, basically, what we are is a is just a wildlife tree nursery where we grow all types of different pears, apples, crab apples. I got into it basically. I graduated from Huntington College in '91. Was a, got a marketing degree, and then uh, I actually ran an alligator farm for ten years. But through that, through the all of that stuff that I was doing, I've always been a huge hunter and very interested in trees, and uh, you know, just messing with persimmons and pears and crab apples and stuff. And uh, so me and Wayne Bassett and Jimmy Bassett, we all got our heads together, and basically that's the wildlife group just evolved from that, and it has just boomed, and it's an awesome business. Well, you know, boy, everybody really works hard at planting food plots. I mean, heck, I'm, I'm in that category. And w- one of the things that probably gets neglected is just really taking care of the natural habitat but one way of really adding to a hunting property, whether you own it, whether you lease it, whatever, is adding to the tree varieties that you have on the existing property. I mean, holy cow. I mean, some of the, 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 I guess you could say species of trees that can be planted on a, on a, on a piece of hunting ground are vast. I mean, Alan, how many different species can you plant? Let's just, throw out one particular zone that you guys have because your little pamphlet that you have, the wildlife group's uh, pamphlet, it's a tree planting guide. What do you have, like nine zones, I guess you could say, is in your planting guide? Yeah, you're talking about the USDA 
planting zones, or are you talking about the different species of trees? Yeah, the, you know, the different planting zones, you know, in the USDA, because, you know, in the USDA, I mean, when everybody has, QDMA yeah. comes out with the book, The Food Plots, you know, and it's that's got right. planting zones, and in your book, you guys have kind of something similar that's got a planting zone guide, yeah. and, and how, how many different varieties can you plant in each zone, approximately? Well, I mean, it, 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 it does depend on the zone that you're in. Uh, as far as what species you're going to plant, but a pro, you know, in, in most of your zones, I mean, there's hundreds of different types of trees that you can plant in each zone. Right. Now, you know, I mean, again, you know, a lot of it's got to do with soil types, uh, your weather conditions, you know, and everything else. But, uh, I mean, it, it, the tree species are just abundant upon what you can do. I mean, the biggest thing is, like we were saying, is just picking stuff that's right for your area. Let's just say Jacksonville area. You know, we have to really be careful with apples that you go down there because they just don't tend to do well right. in y'all's area. Mm-hmm. Now, how about how about pears? You know, pears, <laughs> you know, and you, you knew where I was going to go because that, that's what yeah. I want to plant on my places. I want to get some pears, and I'm hearing about all kinds of different pears, kefir pears, et cetera, yeah. that are outstanding plantings for wildlife. Well, pears are awesome, and, and I actually just finished an article uh, a short article that I did for a Wildlife Trends magazine, and uh, and and it is on pears specifically. And the reason is because <clears throat> pears are just it, it, the easiest fruit tree to go to grow. Uh, I mean, they're they're very prolific in the way they produce. Uh, they just they adapt to all types of different soils, and I mean the diseases on them are very small. And I mean, it's just a great plant. And you know, with all the different species that we offer like we offer 10 different pears we actually have more than that but right now we're just offering 10 and what we like for people to do is it, rather than just plant and say the kefir we like them to mix the varieties and the reason you do that one is for pollination mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you mix you know different pears with different pears and what that does is it makes the fruit more the trees more prolific as far as producing are these edible pears for humans too? I mean, oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah, they, they are. So you get, I mean, it's kind of a dual-edged deal. You're going to get. It is exactly. I mean, and a lot of the pears, several of the pears that we offer, are very good eating pears that are softer pears, and some of them are actually great canning pears. And so you know, and then when mixing these varieties together and planting them, I mean, instead of having say the kefir that comes off late September, I mean, you can have pears from late August all the way up to late November, early December. Which is in, in perfect that, for in a, in a zone, in, a, in any given zone, you can have them that long? Just about in any given zone with the pears, yes, sir. Zone meaning from Maine to California to Florida uh, to Texas from, to Washington, right? Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. I'm talking about pears go over a wide range. How uh, many, now, now, I planted, uh, I guess, gosh, it was four years ago. Uh, I think I planted 175 trees of different varieties, and... Uh, you know, some of them they say because of the pollination, you've got to plant them in bunches. You know, mm-hmm. to get that that pollination, how many trees do you have to have to to pollinate one another, and and how do you know whether one's a male, one's a female? How does that work? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is is you know, do your research on them, or either ask your 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 tree grower, the person that you're buying the trees from, because mm-hmm. there are. There are different ones that are actually pollinators, and there are ones that that do that have to have something with it to pollinate. And then there are species that are self-pollinators, which most pears will self-pollinate if it's one by itself. You know, they will have pears. Hmm. It's just that it won't have a bunch of pears. Right. So in in general, you know, a lot of times people don't have tons of area, or you know, a lot of places. But I like to have no less than three trees in an area. Right, that's the minimum. Is is that is that the number one, you know, fruit tree that you would recommend planting for somebody, you know, for for a wildlife piece of ground? I, I would. I, I just and just because they're so easy to grow. You know, if I have so many people call me up and say, "Look, I do not have a green thumb. I'm not going to take care of these trees. I'm not going to do anything but take them and stick them in the ground when you tell me to." And I don't want to go back to them and mess with them anymore. Right. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm suggesting to you as pears. How, what's, what's the time window? In other words, if, what, what size tree would you recommend for that kind of person? No, for that kind of person. Yeah, because you know what, you know, Alan, we we know a lot of those kind of people. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I know. That's why that's why I asked the question. <laughs> yeah, and I and I deal with a lot of them, and I mean I understand. I mean everybody has to work, and you just don't have time. So, mm-hmm. uh, but typically, what I would suggest for that person is a bare root plant. 
Okay, and you're gonna you're gonna take that plant, and if you don't under a bare root plant is nothing but the tree with the root. And what we'll do is is we we dig that tree. Typically, I'll dig those trees the first of December, and uh, we take remove the tree from the ground, remove the dirt from the roots, and we can ship it to you UPS. Uh, this it'll just be like a four foot tall, basically stalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna plant it during the winter months, December through February. And your best option is at planting time, put a tree protector tube, and we can talk about them a little bit more, but like planter jump start tubes mm-hmm. or a tube X tube. But uh, planters, a lot of the tubes that we use, it's like a four or five foot tube. You're going to put it around the tree. And that's going to protect it from the deer rubbing it or eating it or uh, mice, field mice and rabbits girdling it. But, uh, now, girdling, for those that don't know, is when an animal basically chews the bark off of a tree in a ring all the way around the bottom, and it kills it. That's it. Well, I've it, it'll kill it. Apples oh, yeah. All through the Midwest now. Yeah, they do it. Whether they out, Most fruit trees, they do it with soft bark on it, and they will girdle them quick, and they will mm-hmm. kill them. Right. Uh, and then you got the bucks with their horns. You know, they're going to come up and rub them. Anytime you're putting stuff out around a food plot, they're going to get after it. So. How long is it going to take, then, from the time you get that bare root tree to exactly what you're saying, plant it, put it in the ground? Okay. When can I start seeing some results? Well, typically on all these fruit trees, because of the way that we actually do the budding and graft work on them, I mean, within three years you could have fruit. Wow. Okay, mm. now now that is misleading, and a lot of people will mislead you with that. All mm-hmm. right? From my experience, you're looking at five years as far as a time frame of the tree itself getting of actual size where it can actually hold a lot of fruit. Hey, do you recommend fertilizing and water and all that through the, through that maturation process? Yeah, or? we do. We do. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, what we do is, you know, we'll give you instructions on planting. We'll give you a product called moisturizer that we want you to add to the soil. What that is is uh, a water management source. And, and each time it gets wet, it absorbs the moisture in the soil so that mm-hmm. when it gets dry, it'll slowly release it back to the plant. Now, now I, I got a question about that because this, moisture max maximizer that you're talking about this is relatively new uh, it is and and farmers and you know nursery growers are are experimenting kind of with this thing and it, it's almost like i guess you could say some type of little silicon little gel balls that yep. you mix into the soil or in in crops and in in tree plantings and they actually when it rains they just they maintain that moisture wow. around the base of that tree and then and then crop soil so like for example you have and correct me if i'm wrong alan but if, if you have rain and you're just growing row crops and it rains and it takes a long time for the, your next rain to come these little things are holding moisture almost in like a gel form and all swelled up and just hold it there to where the roots are sitting there and tapping into that constantly until you do get another rain it's like an anti-drought kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's almost like a slow-release fertilizer. Wow. And and it will work like that, too. And what, what Where that came from with us was, you know, we sell bare root plants like the pears. We also sell bare root like oak seedlings, you know, any all the oak trees, you know, white oaks, nut oils, red oak varieties, anything. But we use that gel in a very, very fine form to dip our roots in when we ship. Huh. And we've been doing this for 12 years or so, and so. About seven, eight years ago, I said, man, why won't we put this in the ground? So I started playing with it with larger trees, like we would dig the big machine dug ball and burlap trees. Mm-hmm. And I started adding it in the soil, and I was like, and I wouldn't water the tree. I'd just plant it and put it on a sandy hill and let it go and see how it did. Wow. And I couldn't believe it. Huh. That's a neat, mean, a, a neat idea. Hey, Alan, we're going to take a break here. Okay. Uh, we come back uh, more with, with Alan Deese, and he is with the Wildlife Group out of Tuskegee, Alabama. And, folks, uh, during the break, if you want to check out your the website, wildlifegroup.com, and we come back, we're going to talk more about planting trees for wildlife on your piece of hunting ground here on the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. As a turkey hunter, we've all been there. You're on your eighth day of hunting the same gobbler, and every morning he's made you look silly. Your kids think you've lost your mind. Your wife's beginning to wonder if you're really turkey hunting. You keep telling yourself this morning will be different. Conditions are perfect. 45 degrees, very little wind, and there is no moon. As you sit in the dark, your eyes get heavy. With your eyes closed, the whippoorwills keep you awake. And just before the sun rises, the familiar song of the cardinal catches your attention because you know it won't be long until the game begins. You've decided this morning to be quiet. Just let him gobble on a roost. Just after daybreak, he does just that. You know it's him because his gobble is way too familiar. It's all you can do not to call back. 
You hear him fly down, and then you hear the hen start to call. You make one soft call and get the gun ready. First you see a hen, then all you see is a swinging beard. He comes into view, and you fold him up. This morning, you guessed right. What a cool feeling. The folks at Hunt Life, they know how you feel. Because at Hunt Life, they know it's all about the outdoors experience. Visit them at HuntLife.com. America's number one camo pattern just got better. All-new Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. Twelve years of research give it unequal, effective design. Together, they break up Hunter's outline like never before. Check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. It's not a passion, it's an obsession. There was the explosion. And I remember just opening my eyes, and it got both of my legs. I had surgery after surgery, and what's going to happen next? The Wounded Warrior Project said, look, brother, everything's going to be okay. Three months from now, four months from now, a year from now, you'll be fine. I don't know if I would be as well adjusted as I am now if it wasn't for them. To learn more, call 1-877-832-6997 or visit woundedwarriorproject.org. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. And welcome back, and it's me, Jeff Lagerman, along with Kirk Waltz and our special guest host today. Kevin's in Nebraska. Our special guest host is Bob and Allie, outdoor writer and author. And our special guest via the phone is Alan Deese of the Wildlife Group out of Tuskegee, Alabama. And they're a, a tree nursery for wildlife and for avid hunters. And uh, uh, Alan, I think Bob uh, has a great question for you that we were discussing during a break about cost. Go ahead, Bob. I, I'm I was thinking about the you know the average guy that may be hunting even on public land. Is, the, is it still cost effective for him? Let's say I'm hunting someplace in North Florida or West Florida, or I've got my little honey hole, I've been hunting there for years, and I don't feel like anybody else knows about it but me. Can I enhance it in an economical way in a, and in a short-term fashion with some of these plantings like pears? Can I put a couple of pear trees in there for X amount of cost and then expect to do even better in my honey hole three, four five years down the road oh yeah without a doubt i mean you know if you're looking at i mean you know you can get just for instance uh three pairs with uh just if you want it to order just a group of three pairs to plant or if you want it 10 like we'll sell a package of 10 pairs and you can get the pairs the tubes the the stakes to go with the tubes and everything you know to go with and plant them for around 200 to 250 dollars now that's for 10 variety wow I mean, for yeah. a hunt club, and, that's like a no-brainer. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, another thing that we, we try to get people to do is, you know, with, you know, there's so many people that lease properties from mm-hmm. individuals and stuff, you know, and you get that question is like, I really want to do this, but, you know, I'm leasing this property. Well, you know, uh, you know, planting trees, any trees, be it hardwoods or, or, uh, fruit trees or anything, you know, only increases your property value, the aesthetics of your property. So, I mean, you know, go to your landowners and tell them what you're wanting to do. A lot yeah. of times they will even, if you plan it and take do it for them, they'll even pay for it. Sure. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I what, and I don't know what the legality of it would be. Maybe you on, public on, on public land. I don't know. And then it's probably going to change from state to fed to, yeah, who yeah. Knows. you know, what it would be. But you have to check that out. But I can't imagine that it would be, I mean, you're not, not you're enhancing the property. You're not damaging it. Yeah, you're as long as I yeah, I would think as long as you're not planting an invasive plant species, right. you know, something mm-hmm. that's not native, I wouldn't think it'd be an issue. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that, that I thought of, too, while we're on break, Alan, is that, that as far as cost effectiveness is the analogy of looking at planting fruit versus planting a food plot. And, and then basically what you're trying to do is enhance your property. And if you if you did plant the fruit trees, it, it is of greater value, it seems like, in, in the long run because they're, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're a little bit more drought resistant than trying to plant like we do down here in the southeast. We had a really terrible drought year, and it was hard to get our food plots to grow. That's well. I mean, what we like to call it, Jeff is a is a permanent plot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so and and we actually have a draw up in our catalog that we have done on a you know that that we did up for a five acre plot, which most people can't. You know, a lot of people don't have an area that big, right? So you can do it on small areas. But I mean, if you think about it. You know, if you look at how much money you actually do spend on planting your food plots, like I do too, uh, you know, as far as a, a summer plot, a winter plot, 
But what I've done on some of our properties is we'll break down the larger plots and do and do corners and ends or either some of our little smaller plots and just do small fruit orchards in them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and better than, than trying to clear a place in a what, public land or even in a, a might be a short-term lease somewhere. Uh, you may not have access to, to the equipment or the time or the effort to make a food plot. But So this is really kind of an alternate to a food plot. In well, a smaller... and, and here's a good question, Alan. What kind of clearing sunlight requirements do most fruit trees require? Well, you know, anything that's going to produce any kind of mast will be hard mast or soft mast. Uh, you know, that's acorns of fruit. It's, it's going to require as much sunlight as you can get it. That's the best way I can explain it. So all day is best. You know, uh, now five to six hours, I've seen fruit trees do great. Uh, I like to tell people to put them out in their field so that they get plenty of sun. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do, but the sunlight's very, very critical as far as fruit production or even mass production. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure that you get them in the sun. You want to make sure that you, you know, you take care of the weeds around them. Fruit trees, naturally, their roots grow close to the ground. Mm-hmm. So, you know, any kind of competition, as far as weed growth or anything around them, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a simple step, though, to take care of. You can spray Roundup around it in the early spring. Uh, you can mix your Roundup with pre-emergent, and, uh, and and you spray it once, and typically you're done for the summer. It seems like if you had a food plot somewhere, even a small one, putting a fruit tree or two in the food plot, in the middle of the food plot, would be a good idea. Yeah, and then, Alan, heck, you, you, you and I... Kirk, Bob, we've all planted food plots, and you know how sometimes when we plant, we're pulling equipment behind a tractor and stuff, and there's always areas that you have to kind of get out of the way mm-hmm. to hit. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. With with an implement. And, you know, holy cow, some of those little areas that, you know, you have to make a special trip to get to or, or turn the tractor around or whatever just to go back and hit that one little spot, those little places would be perfect in a food plot to go ahead and plant some type of soft mass fruit tree because then you just, you know, you're not having to waste the time in the future, you know, trying to turn that soil or plant that particular small spot. Or a little so, island somewhere. Yeah. A little island where it gets there's too low and there you can't really get at it if you plant mm-hmm. fruit trees on the out perimeter edge of it. That's be, exactly, you know, yeah, that's exactly right. I, I just did a plant in the, it was, well, it was last, uh, last winter for a guy. He had some large, larger plots, and, you know, and some of the plots he had like, where they would jut up in the woods and stuff, and it was hard for him to get in there with his disc and stuff to get it done. Exactly. And so what we did was we went in and planted those areas so that it kind of squared his field up a little bit more so that he could actually work it better, plus it utilized the area that he, he was having problems getting to. And yeah. be surrounded with trees, which would probably not exactly. be too bad for a bow stand. Well, and yeah. you know, we, were, we were talking about cost. I mean, a food plot, you know, for lime, fertilizer, and seed, seed can typically run, I mean, on the low end side, $150 an acre. On the high end, over, you know, slightly over $200 per acre. Well, include all the diesel, uh, the yeah, labor Yeah, I'm not involved. even counting that. I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking lime fertilizer, seed, and that's it. And hope that it rains. And hope that it rains. <laughs> that's a lot of cocos. And, and Alan, I mean, holy cow, if you're talking about, you know, $200 an acre, what you're talking about is 10, well, we lost down there. We'll get them again. We're talking 10 pear trees that, you could basically plant for the cost of one acre of food plot, but when you plant those pear trees, you're going to have it last for, you know, an indefinite amount of time. You'd plant them in threes, as he suggested. You now have got three little food plots that are pretty self-producing. You know, yeah, exactly. Pretty cool. Exactly. And then you got something that even in a year when you had have, and what I was relating to is the fact that you might have a very drought-heavy uh, year, those trees, though, might not produce as much as they would on a year when it was perfect conditions are still going to produce and sometimes it's really hard to get a food plot to really grow like this year we struggled with that because of the drought in southeast you know all right well we, we got alan back alan, i was just mentioning okay. ab- about how you know if you plant a food plot i mean the cost can reach from you know 150 175 all the way up to 250 dollars an acre and i mean you were talking about planting a group of soft mass pear trees i mean huck the 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 economics of it makes sense it absolutely does and that's a yeah. one-time shot. I yeah. mean, it's one-time deal with two hundred dollars for ten pear trees, yeah. as opposed to two hundred dollars an acre per annum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, 
and you're talking about if you're if you're planting like I do, you're talking about twice a year at least because mm-hmm. you know you're doing a summer and a winter plot, so you're looking at more like five hundred dollars an acre. Right. right. Do pears enhance anything? I mean, they, we know that they're great for deer, but are there, is there other game species or wildlife species that pears are really you know good for? Oh yeah. If you want to see what I'll eat, some look on my Facebook page. And well, you'll see. <laughs> run it, run it down. I mean, the turkeys get in there. Is there something for turkeys and? Oh well, I mean, you know, the, oh, as far as like as far as, far as pears go, uh, I hadn't actually seen turkeys eating messing with pears. But you know, you can mix plum varieties and stuff in there with the turkeys do eat small mm-hmm. crab apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you know, and you really don't want to include these. But you know, uh, hogs eat them, coyotes eat them. Coons, possums, I mean, you know, just about anything will eat them. Well, well I mean, so you're so enhancing the property, though, for all wildlife. Really. So, so so tell yeah. us, Ben, I mean, we we spent a lot of time on pears, obviously, because, mm-hmm. Alan, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the number one soft mass variety that you like. Well, it it is, and I mean, the reason it is is because of the ease of growth, and that's what I like for my customers. to You know, I, my thing is I want my customers to have success so that they're happy with what they're doing and they come back to see us. What other uh, trees are, are good, though? The next thing, the next thing on my list will be crab apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, crab apples are really easy to grow. Again, you can set them up so that they come off in the cycles. Uh, we offer four varieties, uh, which is like a doggo, a Callaway, a Transcendent, and a Dozier. Uh, the latest one that we have that holds the latest is the Callaway, and typically it'll have fruit all the way into December. Wow! Uh, wow! Now, now it turns that it'll turn out red early, but what it does, like. A lot of you know you notice how a lot of fruit trees they'll they'll fruit and then they just drop their fruit you know and within a two three week span mm-hmm. the Callaway don't do that it kind of holds them huh. which for me and 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 for y'all you know for most people that work all the time I mean it's really nice to know that you have a tree out there that's got fruit on it when you're gonna get down to your farm to get to hunt yeah what about the regions is that are there apples that are gonna grow from Maine to Texas I mean- there are like mostly north of. Uh, Atlanta, say, about all of our apples to grow south of Atlanta, we have to pick, you know, different varieties with the real southern southern variety apples. And we, we do offer those, and next year we're going to actually offer a southern apple package. All right, well, we'll talk more about that with Alan Deese of the Wildlife Group. Alan Deese of the Wildlife Group, Wildlife Group here, whew, spitting it out there, here on the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. connections. That's what life is really all about. I'm Major Harding, president of Hunt Life. At HuntLife.com, we've created a place for you to connect with those who share your passion for the hunting experience. With a free HuntLife.com membership, you'll be able to swap stories, information, and insight with hunters from all over the world. You'll find useful information on equipment, outfitters, and all the regs and red tape for your neck of the woods. At HuntLife.com, you can even keep a journal of your hunt straight from your mobile device and upload pictures of your latest and greatest hunting experiences. You can even flip on the radio and hear the latest episode of the Hunt Life Outdoor Show while you browse through all the great stuff we've got in the Hunt Life shop. Hats, shirts, decals, and more. Become a member. It's fast, easy, and absolutely free. And join the online fraternity of hunters. Connect with us at HuntLife.com. Since the first days at Mossy Oak, we've been about getting close to critters. That's what drove us to create Original Breakup more than 12 years ago. Today we're doing it again with all-new Breakup Infinity. Six layers of detail give it great depth of field. Twelve years of research give it unequaled, effective design. Hey, check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak, America's number one camel pattern, just got better. Let fish and wildlife biologist Scotty Brown's 25 years of experience work for your property with Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management. They help landowners on developing and managing properties where recreational fishing and or hunting is the priority. Their lake management services include fish population sampling, electrofishing, water analysis, vegetation establishment or reduction, lake design or renovation, and long-term management strategies for your water body's future. Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management installs and repairs aeration systems, fountains, fish and game feeders, and their own design, Forever Tree Fish Attractors. 
They're experts in keeping small public water bodies and retention ponds in housing developments and golf courses working properly. So if you're looking to improve your property's aquatic resources, call Scotty Brown at Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management at 214-383-3223. That's 214-383-3223. I've been a member of the Federation for 18 years. The Federation stands for good stewardship of the resources and preserving our hunting heritage. Through those efforts, I want my kids to be able to enjoy the same privilege that I have. My father joined the Federation for me, and I've done the same for my children. Jakes, women in the outdoors, and wheeling sportsmen, they want to be the best conservation organization in the world. Outdoors show. And welcome back, and it's me, Jeff Lagerman, along with Kirk Waltz and our special guest host today, Kevin's in Nebraska. Our special guest host is Bob McNally, outdoor writer and author. And our special guest via the phone is Alan Deese of the Wildlife Group out of Tuskegee, Alabama, and they're a, a tree nursery for wildlife and for avid hunters. And uh, uh, Alan, I think Bob uh, has a great question for you that we were discussing during a break about cost. Go ahead, Bob. I'm I was thinking about the you know the average guy that may be hunting even on public land is the, is it still cost effective for him? Let's say I'm hunting someplace in North Florida or West Florida, or I've got my little honey hole been hunting there for years, and I don't feel like anybody else knows about it but me. Can I enhance it in an economical way in a in, in a short term fashion with some of these plantings like pears? Should I put a couple of pear trees in there for X amount of cost and then expect to do even better in my honey hole? three, four, five years down the road. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, if you're looking at, I mean, you know, you can get, just for instance, uh, three pairs with uh, just, if you want it to order just a group of three pairs to plant, or if you want it ten, like we'll sell a package of ten pairs, and you can get the pairs, the tubes, the the stakes to go with the tubes and everything, you know, to go with and plant them for around 200 to $250. Now, that's for ten varieties. Oh. Wow. I mean, for yeah. a hunt club, and, that's like a no-brainer. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, another thing that we, we try to get people to do is, you know, with, you know, there's so many people that lease properties from uh-huh. individuals and stuff, you know, and you get that question is like, I really want to do this, but, you know, I'm leasing this property. Well, you know, uh, you know, planting trees, any trees, be it hardwoods or, or uh, fruit trees or anything, you know, only increases your property value, the aesthetics of your property. So, I mean, you know, go to your landowners and tell them what you're wanting to do. A lot of times they will even, if you plant it and take do it for them, they'll even pay for it. Sure. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I what, and I don't know what the legality of it would be. Maybe be on, public on, on public land. I don't know. And then it's probably going to change from state to fed to, yeah, who yeah. you know, what it would be. But you have to check that out. But I can't imagine that it would be, I mean, you're not, not you're enhancing the property. You're not damaging it. Yeah, you're as long as yeah, I would think as long as you're not planting an invasive plant species, you right. know, something that's not native, I wouldn't think it'd be an issue. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that, that I thought of, too, while we're on break, Alan, is that, that as far as cost effectiveness is the analogy of looking at planting fruit versus planting a food plot. And, and then basically what you're trying to do is enhance your property. And if you if you did plant the fruit trees, it, it is of greater value, it seems like, in, in the long run because they're, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're a little bit more drought resistant than trying to plant like we do down here in the southeast. We had a really terrible drought year, and it was hard to get our food pots to grow. That's well, I mean, what we like to call it, Jeff, is a, is a permanent plot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so and and we actually have a draw up in our catalog that we have done on a you know that that we did up for a five acre plot, which most people can't you know a lot of people don't have an area that big, right? So you can do it on small areas, but I mean, if you think about it. You know, if you look at how much money you actually do spend on planting your food plots, like I do too, uh, you know, as far as a summer plot, a winter plot. But what I've done on some of our properties is we'll break down the larger plots and do, and do corners and ends or either some of our little smaller plots and just do small fruit orchards in them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that's and better than, than trying to clear a place in a, what, public land or even in a, a might be a short-term lease somewhere. Uh, you may not have access to, to the equipment or the time or the effort to make a food plot. but So this is really kind of an alternate to a food plot. Well, a smaller... and, and here's a good question, Alan. What kind of clearing sunlight requirements do most fruit trees require? 
Well, you know, anything that's going to produce any kind of mast will be hard mast or soft mast. Uh, you know, that's acorns or fruit. It's, it's going to require as much sunlight as you can get it. That's the best way I can explain it. So all day is best. You know, uh, now five to six hours, I've seen fruit trees do great. Uh, I like to tell people to put them out in their field so that they get plenty of sun. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do, but the sunlight's very, very critical as far as fruit production or even mass production. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure that you get them in the sun. You want to make sure that you, you know, you take care of the weeds around them. Fruit trees, naturally, their roots grow close to the ground. Mm-hmm. So, you know, any kind of competition as far as weed growth or anything around them, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a simple step, though, to take care of. You spray Roundup around it in the early spring. Uh, you can mix your Roundup with pre-emergent, and, uh, and, and you spray it once, and typically you're done for the summer. It seems like if you had a food plot somewhere, even a small one, Putting a fruit tree or two in the food plot, in the middle of the food plot, would be a good idea. Yeah, and then Alan, heck, you, you, you and I, Kirk, Bob, we've all planted food plots, and you know how sometimes when we plant, we're pulling equipment behind a tractor and stuff, and there's always areas that you have to kind of get out of the way mm-hmm. to hit. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. With with an implement, and you know, holy cow, some of those little areas that you know you have to make a special trip to get to, or, or turn the tractor around, or whatever, just to go back and hit that one little spot. Those little places would be perfect in a food plot to go ahead and plant some type of soft mass fruit tree because then you just, you know, you're not having to waste the time in the future, you know, trying to turn that soil or plant that particular small spot. Or a little so, island somewhere, yeah. a little island where it gets there's too low and there you can't really get at it if you plant mm-hmm. fruit trees on the out perimeter edge of it. That's exactly, you know, yeah, that's exactly right. I, I just did a plant, and uh, it was that well, it was last, uh, last one for a guy. He had some large, larger plots, you know, and some of the plots he had like where they would jut up in the woods and stuff, and it was hard for him to get in there with his disc and stuff to get it done. Exactly. And so what we did was we went in and planted those areas so that it kind of squared his field up a little bit more so that he could actually work it better, plus it utilized the areas that he, he was having problems getting to. And yep. be surrounded with trees, which would probably not exactly. be too bad for a bow stand. Well, and yeah. you know, we, were, we were talking about cost. I mean, a food plot, you know, for lime fertilizer and seed, seed can typically run i mean on the low end side 150 dollars an acre on the high end over you know slightly over 200 dollars per acre well include all the diesel uh the yeah, labor i'm not even involved. counting that i'm talking yeah. i'm talking lime fertilizer seed and that's it and hope that it rains and hope that it rains <laughs> that's a lot of cocos and, and alan i mean holy cow if you're talking about you know 200 dollars an acre what you're talking about is 10 well, we lost down there we'll get them again we're talking 10 pear trees that you could basically plant for the cost of one acre of food plot, but when you plant those pear trees, you're going to have it last for, you know, an indefinite amount of time. You'd plant them in threes, as he suggested. You now have got three little food plots that are pretty self-producing. You know? Yeah, exactly. Pretty cool. Exactly. And then you got something that even in a year when you had have, and what I was relating to is the fact that you might have a very drought-heavy uh, year, those trees, though, might not produce as much as they would on a year when it was perfect conditions, are still going to produce. And sometimes it's really hard to get a food plot to really grow. Like this year, we struggled with that because of the drought in southeast. You know. All right. Well, we, we got Alan back. Alan, I was just mentioning okay. about how you know if you plant a food plot, I mean, the cost can reach from you know 150, 175, all the way up to 250 dollars an acre. And I mean, you were talking about planting a group of soft-mass pear trees, I mean, huck, the, the, the economics of it makes sense. It absolutely does. And that's a yeah. one-time shot. I yeah. mean, it's a one-time deal with $200 for 10 pear trees yeah. as opposed to $200 an acre per annum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and you're talking about, if you're if you're planting like I do, you're talking about twice a year at least because mm-hmm. you know, you're doing a summer and a winter plot, so you're looking at more like $500 an acre. Right. Do, do pears enhance up. anything? I mean, they, we know that they're great for deer, but uh, there, is there other game species or wildlife species that pears are really you know good for? Oh, yeah. If you want to see what I'll eat, some, go look on my Facebook page. And well, you'll see. <laughs> run, run it, run it down. I mean, the do turkeys get in there. Is there something for turkeys and? Oh well, I mean, you know, the, oh, as far as like as going as far as pears go, uh, I hadn't actually seen turkeys eating messing with pears, but you mm-hmm. know, you can mix plum varieties and stuff in there with the turkeys do eat small mm-hmm. crab apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you know, and you really don't want to include these, but you know, uh, hogs eat them, coyotes eat them. 
Huh. Coons, possums. I mean, you know, just about anything will eat them. Right, well, I mean, so you're so enhancing so. the property, though, for all wildlife. Really. So, so, so tell yeah. us, Ben, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time on pears, obviously, because, mm-hmm. Alan, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the number one soft mass variety that you like. Well, it, it is, and I mean, the reason it is is because of the ease of growth, and that's what I like for my customers. To, you know, I, I, my thing is I want my customers to have success so that they're happy with what they're doing and they come back to see us. What other uh, trees are, are good, though? The next thing, the next thing on my list will be crab apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, crab apples are really easy to grow. Again, you can set them up so that they come off in the cycles. Uh, we offer four varieties, uh, which is like a doggo, a Callaway, a Transcendent, and a Dozier. Uh, the latest one that we have that holds the latest is the Callaway, and typically it'll have fruit all the way into December. Wow! Uh, wow! Now, now it turns that it'll turn out red early, but what it does, like. A lot of you know you know how a lot of fruit trees they'll they'll fruit and then they just drop their fruit you know and within a two three week span mm-hmm. the Callaway don't do that it kind of holds them huh. which for me and 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 for y'all you know for most people that work all the time I mean it's really nice to know that you have a tree out there that's got fruit on it when you're gonna get down to your farm to get to hunt yeah what about the regions is that are there apples that are gonna grow from Maine to Texas I mean- there are like. Mostly north of uh, Atlanta, say, about all of our apples to grow. South of Atlanta, we have to pick, you know, different varieties with the real southern southern variety apples. And we, we do offer those, and next year we're going to actually offer a southern apple package. All right, well, we'll talk more about that with Alan Deese of the Wildlife Group. Alan Deese of the Wildlife Group, Wildlife Group. here, whew, spitting it out there, here on the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Connections. That's what life is really all about. I'm Major Harding, president of Hunt Life. At HuntLife.com, we've created a place for you to connect with those who share your passion for the hunting experience. With a free HuntLife.com membership, you'll be able to swap stories, information, and insight with hunters from all over the world. You'll find useful information on equipment, outfitters, and all the regs and red tape for your neck of the woods. At HuntLife.com, you can even keep a journal of your hunt straight from your mobile device and upload pictures of your latest and greatest hunting experiences. You can even flip on the radio and hear the latest episode of the Hunt Life Outdoor Show while you browse through all the great stuff we've got in the Hunt Life shop. Hats, shirts, decals, and more. Become a member. It's fast, easy, and absolutely free. And join the online fraternity of hunters. Connect with us at HuntLife.com. Since the first days at Mossy Oak, we've been about getting close to critters. That's what drove us to create Original Breakup more than 12 years ago. Today we're doing it again with all new Breakup Infinity. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. Twelve years of research give it unequaled effective design. Hey, check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak, America's number one camel pattern, just got better. Let fish and wildlife biologist Scotty Brown's 25 years of experience work for your property with Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management. They help landowners on developing and managing properties where recreational fishing and or hunting is the priority. Their lake management services include fish population sampling, electrofishing, water analysis, vegetation establishment or reduction, lake design or renovation, and long-term management strategies for your water body's future. Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management installs and repairs aeration systems, fountains, fish and game feeders, and their own design, Forever Tree Fish Attractors. They're experts in keeping small public water bodies and retention ponds in housing developments and golf courses working properly. So if you're looking to improve your property's aquatic resources, call Scotty Brown at Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management at 214-383-3223. That's 214-383-3223. I've been a member of the Federation for 18 years. Federation stands for good stewardship of the resources and preserving our hunting heritage through those efforts, I want my kids to be able to enjoy the same privilege that I have. My father joined the Federation for me, and I've done the same for my children. Jakes, women in the outdoors, and wheeling sportsmen, they want to be the best conservation organization in the world. And now, back to... 
to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. And we're back. It's me, Jeff Lagerman, Kirk Waltz, our special guest host, Bob McNally, outdoors writer and author. And then also our special guest, we're picking his brain, Alan Deese of the Wildlife Wildlife Group. And, and Alan, we've talked so much about pears. Uh, we've talked a little bit about crab apples, uh, the hard mass trees. Uh, holy cow, chestnuts for years used to be a favorite amongst hunters, but it seems like disease has wiped most of them out across the country, but you guys have a variety that has been pretty prolific in the States, and it's the Chinese chestnut, right? Yeah, we do. Uh, now, the Chinese chestnut, you know, it's a disease-resistant variety, uh, and it's a it's an awesome chestnut, and, and it, 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 it's hard for me to explain how much deer love chestnuts. I mean, on top of the deer really enjoying, I mean, eating them and liking them, the protein level is higher than any mast out there as far as a good, healthy uh, food source out there for deer. I mean, it's incredible. What's the uh, percentage, you know? It's, it's like 16% Whoa. in the in – the I mean, it's real high in its real taste, and it's a high-energy nut, and, I mean, it's incredible. Um, the biggest thing is, is with the Chinese chestnuts, of course, you know, most of the chestnut varieties are going to drop during the September time frame, which for your area, Georgia area, and all is a great uh, – is a great – tool to have and i mean you, uh the chestnuts it, we're, they're just like a fruit tree as far as their production times i mean you're talking about within five years having chestnuts hmm. wow what, you know what, where five go ahead years. i'm sorry how, how yeah what, what what is the uh where could we grow them here in florida could you grow them in texas nebraska i mean how how good is yeah they're, they're, they seem to be uh we have i've actually got uh, a really good friend of mine growing uh some down in lakeland florida Wow, which is really south, and oh. uh, so and I've got people growing them in Michigan. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're they seem to be ranging everywhere, and 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 it's they're an awesome plant. Um, and now, what we've done with them is uh, we've been doing chestnut studies with Auburn University, and we've actually uh, came up with uh, some new varieties, and we're calling them the AU Buck One, Two, Three, and Four. And the and what we're ha- we're having to graft these varieties to come up with them, but Actually, what they are, they are Chinese chestnut, but we're we're able to manipulate the drop times on. Wow! <laughs> so rather than just having one chestnut that drops in September, you can plant a package of them, and they'll drop from late August all the way into November on the same piece of property, the same zone. On the same piece of property, yes, sir. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, how yeah. cost effective are they compared to you know the like we talked about with the pear trees? Are they? Yeah, well, the the packages on those like they're going to be grown in uh, containers, so they'll be in three gallon pots. So the shipping will be a little bit different on those. But the actual plants themselves right now run like a hundred and ten dollars <laughs> for four plants, and that would be a package of them. And you get the actual tree protectors, the stakes, fertilizer, moisture miles, and everything in that package to take care of them. Do you recommend planting those in clusters like the oranges, or it doesn't matter? Yeah, we yeah you you we're gonna want you to plant those in groups of four at least. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. but that what that's gonna do is it's gonna give you pollination, and plus it's gonna give you that extended drop in that area. Do they require a lot of sun like the fruit trees? They do. Yeah, yeah. Now, will they grow in in highly sandy, acidic soil? Well, they get specific there. Yep. Yeah. Where do you live? Uh, yep. That's Kirk's hunting ground, by the way, Alan. Yep. It's, yeah. it's sandy and acidic. Yep. Yeah. Well, they will, and you can do stuff to amend your soil to try to help it. Uh, I mean, but they do like a sandy, well-drained soil. Something that they cannot take is wet feet. So, hmm. I mean, where that's where sand, well-drained comes in. Now, really, really deep sand and stuff. Right. I mean, you know, that that would be a question. Okay. So some of these sand hills in Florida where the the blackjack ridges are would probably be suitable. I, I think they would be suitable. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't really see them being a problem. Have y'all ever – Have uh, how about chinkapins? Mm-hmm. Do y'all know of any chinkapins that are going in the areas? Not offhand, no. Yeah. yeah. Is that one that just kind of thrives along with the chestnut? Yeah, that's well. The chinkapins are something that grows similar, like a sawtooth oak is, grows in a real similar soil as mm-hmm. the Chinese chestnut. Now that brings up, a, if I've got a property someplace I'm interested in planting trees, to to, to fine tune what I'm, what's going to do well there. Do you do any sort of soil uh, work with the a person, a landowner? You know, send you samples of soil or a kit or something to, to try to learn. Yeah, you can, of- or you you. 
you can send it to me or you can call me and we can tell you where to send it. I mean, most of your universities or your uh, county extension agents are probably in your area will, will have somewhere that they can do your soil testing for you. Yeah, I'd rather deal with uh, you. <laughs> yeah, well, pH, pH is very important with your food plot, you know, with your trees, with anything that you're planting. Right. You know, all of them require something a little bit different. You know, I mean, now we sell blueberries, blackberries. Blueberries like a real acid soil. You know, you're talking about a, a 5 to a 5.5. Right. So, I, I mean, they're almost, yeah, they're almost a, a no-brainer, you know, plants you can grow that are really easy to grow. I also noticed that you, you sell a, or, or grow a non-trailing thornless variety of uh, blackberries, which is good. That's right. Yeah. Those are real disease-resistant, aren't they? They are real disease resistant, real easy to grow. It's just an upright, erect growing plant. They don't really vine. It just kind of makes a blackberry bush, and they're actually very good to eat. <laughs> yeah, I love blackberries. Well, I mean, there, there's so many choices, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and Alan, if somebody wanted to to get some information, uh, this little pamphlet that I've got, which I've had for years, that this is an 0708 product guide and catalog from the Wildlife Group. If somebody wanted to, to get one of these up, you know, obviously with the current price list and, and et cetera, how would they go about getting that? Uh, there are several ways. I mean, you can go to our website, which is wildlifegroup.com. You can actually go on that and go on plant list and just download our catalog. Okay. All right. Or you can shoot me an email at alan at wildlifegroup.com, and, I will, and send me your address, and I will actually mail you a hard copy. Or you can just call us at 800-221-9703. And your product list for those that really are looking, I mean, you don't even have to be a hunter. I, mean, I, I would just no. say the same thing. Yeah. yeah, you got a place someplace with a little pond or something, a few acres, and you take your kids and grandkids or spouse out there, and you just want to have more wildlife coming of yeah. all types. I mean, you could do yeah. this sort of thing easy. For wildlife viewing, just aesthetics sure. in your right. yard. Uh, exactly right. Holy cow, Alan, I mean, the list that you guys have, and, of course, the, the sawtooth oaks are a real the rage nowadays for acorn producing trees. You got the sawtooth, the gobbler sawtooth, which is a smaller acorn. Uh, the list goes on and on for what you guys offer. I mean, I even yeah. noticed you've got American beautyberry, honeysuckle, which are, are, mm. are good plants to plant in areas and where they're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. They're full yeah. of protein. <laughs> yeah. The honeysuckle is an awesome plant. I mean, and, and the, the deal with the honeysuckle is, you know, if you, and we can send you our catalog of the ways that we suggest you plant it so that you set it up in hedgerow type plantings mm-hmm. and, uh, protect it with a small fence or something. And I mean, they're, uh, they're awesome. Well, Alan, thanks for spending the time with us today. Well, thank you all so much for having me. And just, I want everybody to remember that you don't have to plant a hundred trees, you know, just plant 10 a year and take care of them 10 and get them through that first year and then plant 10 the next year. Because the biggest thing is have success with it, do it right the first time and, in four or five years, you know, when your kids see them, if you let them help you, I mean, it's just a good feeling to walk out there and see that stuff growing and producing. And, and, and folks, uh, we didn't get to the moisture miser, uh, the tree protectors, you know, whether to plant bare root or containerized trees. But, I mean, all those questions can be answered uh, via Alan, and it's alan at wildlifegroup.com, or you can give them a call at 1-800-221-9703 or check out their website, wildlifegroup.com, and, Alan, thanks for spending the time with us today. Well, thank you all so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, once again, I mean, I learn something every time we do this show. I mean, talking about trees, and I didn't know a lot about pears, but I mean, I knew a lot about some of the other trees. But uh, holy cow, I mean, for the money that you can spend for planting trees versus food plots and get something that's going to last for a lifetime. What a hunt club project. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah you that's... Know, every, every good hunt club has the day where all the members come out and clean things up. You take, you have a little crew of four or five guys, and we're okay. Guys, we're going to plant twenty trees this weekend, and and the planting that starts every year in December, here. folks, and through the winter. So it's a great uh, cool weather project. You're listening to the Hunt Life Outdoors Show with me, Jeff Logan, and Kirk Waltz, and special guest Bob McNally in studio. You can tell a lot about a person just by looking at them. What they wear speaks volumes as to who they are and where they stand on a number of things, from their favorite team or the place they like to eat to what they really believe in. I'm Major Harding, president of Hunt Life. When you see someone wearing a Hunt Life shirt or hat, you'll know some things about them right away. You'll know they're passionate about the outdoors. You'll know they invest time and energy and funds into preserving and protecting wildlife because they care about it. You'll know that they enjoy sharing the hunting experience with everyone they can. And you'll know that, for them, hunting isn't a hobby, it's a way of life. If you're a hunter, It's time you told the world what kind of person you are. 
Visit HuntLife.com and browse the hunt shop for hats and shirts and decals and more. And while you're there, become a member. It's fast, easy, and absolutely free. And you'll connect with a world of people who share your feelings about hunting. Take aim with Hunt Life. You want to get really close to critters this fall? Then you'll have to try all-new Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. Twelve years of research give it unequaled, effective design. Together, they represent the most dramatic, high-tech leap in the history of camo. Check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak, America's number one camo pattern, just got better. We know the future of hunting depends on our nation's youth. But did you know that in many states, it's illegal for you to take your son or daughter hunting until the age of 12 or even older? As a result, we have fewer young hunters, and the Families of Field program is designed to eliminate those barriers. Hunting is safe, and the safest hunters of field are young people with adult mentors. Visit our website at familiesoffield.org to find out how you can bring more families afield. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. And welcome back. And, uh, folks, if you haven't checked it out, go to HuntLife.com. The store is up and running with all kinds of beautiful pictures of Hunt Life apparel that you can get. And then also you can check us out on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and type in Hunt Life, and it'll take you right to our Facebook page. And uh, it was great talking to Alan Deese of the Wildlife Group to get a little knowledge about tree planting, not only for for hunting, but also just for wildlife attraction and also just for aesthetics. You know, somebody wants to do it in their yard and stuff, and the varieties that they have uh, are tremendous. And I'm looking forward to planting season this year, which begins typically in December and runs all the way through to January and February. And it kind of, everybody's different because, you know, our planting zone or time frame here in the southeast is different from, you know, one of our listeners that may be in Kansas or Nebraska or Texas or wherever. Uh, so check out the wildlife groups website, wildlifegroup.com, and you can find out exactly when to plant. If you've got any questions, um, Alan is a great guy, great guy to talk to. You can call the 1-800 number uh, and he'll, he'll spend, you know, as much time as, as need be to talk with you. Well, it sounds like it's a real cost effective may- method of, of putting food plots in the ground and not having to maintain them as vigorously as we have to when we plant like we did this last year, this last season. And I, and great idea. You if you're going to plant trees, even around your house, you know, if you're yeah. going to plant trees, why yeah. not pick up some varieties that are going to be beneficial to wildlife? Yeah. Well, and, and having the, the proper variety for your zone, I mean, you got to have an expert and they've got, you know, the, the knowledge behind them, you right. know, using the, the, the professor at the University of Auburn that's really helped them develop a lot of genetic uh, improvements that are going to be disease resistant and are going to last. And you can go to a lot of local nurseries. But they just don't have the genetics to be able to to accomplish what you want. And so when they talk about how they've got different strains to where they're going to drop throughout the course of four months, I mean, that's amazing how they can engineer a plant to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think about, too, that a lot of people plant trees and shrubs and whatnot because they're pretty. Well, there's plenty of good plants that are good for wildlife that are, you know, they flower. Right. The plums and the pears, they all have pretty flowers in the spring, and they look great, you know. Yeah, and, and their website is outstanding, uh, wildlifegroup.com. I, I remember when I first did my first planting of trees, I mean, I used their stuff to kind of guide me, and I ended up getting it through a local nursery, and I regret it and not using mm-hmm. their stuff because I had a lot of trees that died, you know, because they weren't genetically specific, you know, varieties that, that, that were able to withstand whether it been disease or drought or whatever. Right. Uh, and they've engineered their plants, whereas, you know, most nurseries, they're just, they're just, you know, pumping them out mm-hmm. to sell in, you know, your local, you know, home, home Depot or Lowe's. Yeah. You're going to get all that trouble of digging a hole and getting a tree to grow and, you know, all the things that go in, in are involved. I'd want to pay a little bit more and do it the right way and talk to the expert. Like, a- like Alan. Absolutely. And I, I can't, I'm, I'm a tree, tree buff when it comes and holy cow. I mean, if you can get a couple, I mean, everybody knows that hunting-wise. Mm-hmm. If you can find that one oh, yeah. tree that's dropping at just the right time, well, guess what? You get to control it by planting trees. Well, yeah. fertilizing it and keeping it right. I mean, I mean, you see whitetails walk across an entire sea of 
of acorns to get the one specific tree. One specific There's tree. There's a reason That's right. why he's going. There. Exactly. Tasty right. treats. Uh, Bob, right. thanks for sitting in with us today here on the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Glad to be here. Kirk, you going to be here next week or are you researching? Uh, I'll be it? here. No, I'll be here next week, but the following week I will. Oh, not. he's headed to Kentucky. And next week, Kevin will have all kinds of stories from Nebraska. We'll talk to everybody next week for Kevin Favor's Stories of Nebraska here on the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Thank you for listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Be sure to check out the very latest in the Hunt Life by logging on to HuntLife.com. The Hunt Life Outdoor Show is a product of Hunt Life Productions. Copyright 2011.